it's difficult enough to get up here and teach. I'll just be honest with you. I don't feel comfortable with it. And now they tell me they want to video it, and I've got to wear a microphone. So it makes it even... Now I'm held accountable. It's going to be on video of what I say. But uh, this is good stuff. Ricky Cavett came in this morning and talked to me a second and gave me some encouraging words, and he just said, what's good about what y'all are doing is that the couples just need to know it's okay, that everyone's going through struggles in raising families. And with y'all's experience and the struggles y'all had, uh, being able to share that, uh, it, it's going to help. So those were encouraging words from Rick. Uh, chapter 1, let me read briefly this first part. This is how he starts chapter 1, the, the author. It was a hot summer day, 1986. We were driving home in our van from a refreshing and enjoyable vacation. All was serene as we bask in the glow of togetherness until the last 200 miles. And then he has three kids, one daughter, two sons, and it was total chaos. They stopped at a picnic area to eat a little lunch. The chaos hadn't stopped. The wife, Sarah, takes off, and you know what rest areas, they have different picnic areas on each side. She went to the furthest one down by herself just to get away. She looked over into a parking area, and she saw a number of motorcycle-type gang dressed in leather, do-rags, tattoos with their Harleys and whatever motorcycles they had. And she literally thought, if I could just ride away with them. Every one of us in this room have had times where we wanted to just go off and be alone. Maybe not to the extreme of riding off with a Harley gang, but probably worse. (laughs) To just go off and do whatever by ourselves. And so, this is the couple that's writing this book. They understand. Uh, In the first three chapters on the crazy cycle, there is a number of scripture that I think Lisa handed out to all of you to look at. If you go look throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, about children and families, it's covered throughout the Bible. These are just scripture that he puts in the first three chapters. Let's read through them real quick. First one's kind of funny. Proverbs twenty-three twenty-five. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. There are times you don't rejoice. There are times that you go, why did we start a family? I mean, it's just difficult at times. 22.15, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Folly is, you could put in the term foolishness. Children are foolish. They're immature. They're selfish. And we need to understand that. And throughout the Bible, when you see the word rod or rod of discipline, people think that's punishment. Rod of discipline is before anything ever happens. It's the boundaries. It's the instructions. It's everything that you put in place to give that child a chance to stay in those boundaries. And I'm telling you, 32 years of education, children want boundaries. Students want boundaries. They want to know where it is and how far they can go. Some of them stay far from it. Some get right to the edge 
A few go over, but that's when you have the discipline or the consequences in place to take care of uh, those that go outside those boundaries. So when you hear the rod of discipline, that's everything you put in place before anything ever happens. Romans 8, 28, and we know in all things, and I emphasize the word all, God works for the good of those who love him who have been uh, called according to his purpose. That includes parenting. All things. God works for the good of those who love him. Romans 2, 21, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? All that is telling us we've got to model what we want out of our children. And if we're doing things and then they're doing the same things and then we get upset and want to correct them, just like I said last week, I wanted to have in place where my children could never come up to me and say, but dad, you do it. So that is Romans 2.21, Proverbs 15.13. A happy heart makes a face cheerful, a heartache crushes the spirit. So many times in the way we handle our kids just crush them. It crushes their spirits. You can see it in their facial expressions. You can see it just the dropping of their shoulders. And that's something we have to be careful of. 2 Timothy 3.2. Now when you read this, this was about what the end of times are going to be like of all these things happening. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Some of you read that and go, the end is near. I mean... It might be this afternoon. Uh, Psalm 25, 7. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Remember not the sins of my youth. How many of you would want to stand up right now and confess everything you've done since your youth? I don't think of one of you. Okay? And sometimes as parents we forget that when our children misbehave. Psalm 103.13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Think about how sometimes uncompassionate we are to our kids, but boy, we hope the Lord's compassionate to us in the decisions we make and how we act and how we behave as adults even. Proverbs 14.29, a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays, again, folly or foolishness. Uh, throughout the book, he, work, he gives these, to respond, not react. To respond, not react to different situations. And that means stepping back and not uh, being quick-tempered and being foolish in whatever comes out or what happens. Proverbs seventeen fourteen: starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Sometimes we cause the issue because we start the actual conflict. Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. There are times that if we think and look at the big picture, it's not worth the battle, and we just have to overlook it. 15.18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel, very similar as before. 1 Corinthians 14.20, Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. We are, parenting is for adults only. And he talks about that throughout the book. Uh, children's minds are different than adults. And they do things that are frustrating, but when you have to sit back and think, 
Let's remember they're just kids. So, if we look at last, well, let's just look at this. The crazy cycle. It all, without love, children react without respect, and without respect, parents react without love, and it just continues. So we're going to start working on how do we decode what the situation is, and then get into how to diffuse the situation, get off the crazy cycle, be able to stay off of it, and move towards the energizing cycle, which will be in a couple of weeks. So if we look at last week, children need to feel loved, parents need to feel respected. That's the two basic principles we talked about. Let me focus on the first one. If children don't feel loved, they're going to find love somewhere. God puts that need in their heart. They need to feel loved. And if they don't get it from we as parents, and it's even more difficult for y'all than it was for me and Lisa, with social media and the instant contacts they can make, or the the constant things they can get into, they're going to find love somewhere. And I promise you, it's probably not going to be with a person or a group or a situation that you're not going to be happy with. So it's up to us as parents to make sure we show that love to our kids. I've been blessed. I was very fortunate. I found love through athletics and a coach that loved me enough to share Christ with me, to give me a purpose in my life. But I'm telling you, if that didn't come into my life, I'm not sure where I would be today. I'm not sure where I'd be today. So, that very first part is whether they give us respect or not, we've got to show love unconditionally to our kids. All right, decoding. There's two things he talks about in the first three chapters, decoding and defusing. Decoding is when the... Crazy cycle starts and you sense it, you feel it, you've got to ask yourself three questions. Is my child feeling unloved? Am I feeling disrespected? And how will I parent God's way regardless? How will I parent God's way regardless? Okay, we're going to do some scenarios. And let's see, some of you have probably experienced these when... These are three out of the book, straight from examples he gives. Two of the three, maybe all three, no, two of the three I've experienced. All right, first one. When told that his nap time and that play time must stop for now, a four-year-old melts down in an angry fit and runs into another room to her toy box, pulls out her teddy bear and some baby dolls. Mom chases after her, grabs her arm, yells, no, no more playing, you're taking a nap. She picks up her up kicking and screaming child and carries her back to the bedroom. All right, let's go through those three questions. Well, let's first, what's the issue? What's the issue in this example? Child needs a nap. According to the parent, according to the parent, the child needs a nap. Now, somebody said something funny and I missed it. What? Mom needs one too. Uh, so, now, 
Is the child feeling unloved? Not sure. She's just not ready to take a nap. Is the parent feeling disrespected? Absolutely. We've got to parent God's way no matter the situation. All right. We're not into diffusing how to solve this, but just in thinking through it right now, what could be done, what could have been done before this happens to help dissolve this situation? Give me some ideas. I don't have the exact answer. I'm waiting. I have a thought. There we go. That was my thought in preparing the child ahead of time. How do you prepare them ahead of time? You set boundaries. You set the discipline before anything ever happens. You go ahead and talk to them. Go, you know this is about nap time, but here's what we're going to do. You can play for 10 more minutes. Some people even put an alarm out there. 10 more minutes. So play hard, but when that bell goes off, we're going to take a nap. And if it doesn't, if you don't easily go in there, here are some things that are going to happen. So let's work together and make this a good thing. Now, will a four-year-old understand that? Yes. Four-year-old, four-year-olds can understand if you sit down and communicate. Something, let's go a little further. Besides just saying, go play for ten more minutes, what else could help that child feel loved? You lay down there with her. You sit down there with her and play with her. You sit down there and play with her for that 10 minutes. There's nothing that a child wants more than their parents to do things with them. In this case, it's a four-year-old just wanting to play. Probably not really tired. Mom's more tired than she is, really wanting to get her to go lay down. Help her. So those are some different things to do in that situation. All right, here, let's, let's move it up the ladder a little bit. A father scolds his 10-year-old son for throwing the baseball into the cushions on the couch. <coughs> just, it, just a few days ago, he had told him not to throw baseballs in the house. When the boy claims, I forgot, his dad yells, you did not forget. Don't lie to me or you won't play in your Little League game this afternoon. What's the issue? Throwing a baseball in the house is the issue. Is the child feeling unloved? I hear you say yes. Why? Wouldn't, would be devastated not to go to the game. Why else is he feeling unloved? Dad just called him a liar. Squelching that spirit of a kid. Call your child a liar. Okay? So that's what this dad has done. Now, the dad feels like, he's feeling disrespected. Because he feels like, I told my son a couple days ago not to throw the ball in the house. Why do you think the son started throwing the ball in the house? Was it to make his dad mad? Why do you think he started throwing the ball in the house? He forgot. He he literally could have forgot. Why else? He's a ten-year-old boy. He's bored. 
His dad what? Get his dad's attention? <laughs> watching the Rangers and he's wanting to go play. Now, put yourself in the dad's shoes. How could have he handled this besides the yelling, calling his son a liar, and possibly keeping him from his little league game? Okay, asking me if he forgot. Think of this. What if you as the dad said, son, I see that you're kind of nervous and you're throwing the ball in the house. You know that's not uh, what we want to do. You know what I really want to do? Let's go outside and play. Let's go outside and play catch. Because right now that father isn't going to go out and play catch with him. But what would that son love more than have his dad say, hey, let's go outside and play? Maybe it's something you don't want to do. You've got work. You've got other things you want to do. Selfishly, you want to go do something else. But there'd be nothing greater than to let that kid know, let that child know that he's loved and his dad wants to go play with him and play catch as long as he wants to play. That could have dissolved this and let him know, I can't wait till your game tonight. I'm excited that I'm, we're going get to get to watch you play. Let's go out and prepare for it. That's just some simple things that that father could do to help dissolve that situation. You might not even need the diffusing part. You already know how to do all this. All right, let's go a little higher. A mother's yelling at her 15-year-old daughter for not picking up her room, and the daughter is yelling back even louder. The issue is not picking up the room. Go back and think when you were a kid, did you pick up everything that you ever had, your room, whatever the situation. And let's think through this. <coughs> we live this big time. Not the yelling, but the room. Uh, is the daughter feeling unloved? Okay. Is the, parent, the mother feeling disrespected? Absolutely. Now, What could be done in this situation? Well, I'll tell you what we did in a little bit, and I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I'll just tell you what we did. What could be done in this situation? Mom could go in and help her pick up. Hey, I see you've left some stuff out. Let's, I'll, I'll help you. Let's pick up together. All right, got to quit the yelling. Yelling doesn't get you anywhere. Here's when I was teaching and Tim and whoever else was in my class in here, I always went to class going, don't yell because yelling's like mud wrestling with a pig. You're getting frustrated, and the pig's rolling and loving every bit of it. So yelling doesn't get you anywhere. Okay? So what else could be done here? What would you all do? What have you done? Or what will you do when it happens? Okay. Okay. You're going to let them know that we need this done by a certain time or here are the consequences. Okay. Shut the bedroom door. 
Shut the bedroom door. What did Lisa and I do? Shut the bedroom door. <laughs> Whether right or wrong, here's our situation with her youngest daughter. We also noticed it in her, her book work, her backpack, and everything that she would bring home each day. Her papers would be stuck, stuck, just crammed into her backpack. And us being teachers and trying to be organized didn't understand that. How can this, you know, and you'd get frustrated. But then we sat back and started thinking. Our, da- our daughter graduated number three in her class. Did stuff, jammed into her backpack. Evidently, it, she, she knew where everything was. It was organized to her. And she was able to decipher it all and get it to school and get things taken care of. And we started looking at some positive things about our daughter and not that backpack. The, the room... You know, we wanted our girls to feel a little autonomy, and that was their room and so forth. We didn't put TVs in there so they could just lay in there and watch it 24-7 or didn't do all that, but that was their room, and we would definitely get frustrated. My youngest daughter would try on something, and girls are like this, oh, that doesn't look good, and take it off, throw it on the floor, and go look for something else. She could go through five or six things, but whatever she tried on, it would end up on the floor. Or taken to the dirty clothes to wash. It was clean. And it, <laughs> and it, it was, she would take it so mom would wash it and hang it up for her. And that's how she'd get it picked up. Uh, but we got to a point where uh, we looked at other things. We were praying. She will get older. She'll mature. When she's out her own, she'll take better care of herself. We were just in her apartment last week. Thank goodness we know not to go into her bedroom. Her living room, her kitchen, everything is very neat and nice and so forth. We don't go back to her bedroom because evidently it hadn't changed. She's going to get married in four months. Now, hopefully it will change. I don't know, but that's, that's her deal. All right, let me throw out one scenario, other scenario with you. I'll even go a little higher, age 21. Lisa and I were driving up Interstate 35 from Fort Worth towards Denton, and the phone rings in the car. Youngest daughter, who throws her clothes all over the bedroom, calls and says, just wanted you all to know, she just turned 21. I'm calling not for permission, But out of respect for y'all, I'm going to call and let you know that I'm getting a tattoo. I'm driving along, and I hear the conversation, and the knuckles on the steering wheel are just white as they can be. And I'm going, what, she need a tattoo? What is she thinking? I was picturing skull and crossbone on her arm, battleship across her chest. I don't know. It all went through my head. So... Then the next famous words, there's, I'll let you talk to your dad. So I'm driving, white-knuckled, give me the phone. But without her knowing my frustration, I said, hey, baby, how you doing? And she goes, dad? I go, yes, ma'am. She goes, I just want you to know I'm getting a tattoo. And I go, caught my breath. I said, okay, what, what, what are you getting? And she goes, well on my foot. 
I'm going to have the word beloved written on my foot with a heart. And here's things, selfishly, you know, my oldest daughter's about to get married. She's going to have to wear these shoes that are going to show her tattoo. What are people going to think of her parents? Her daughter's got a tattoo. Or, you know, then I start thinking, she's going to be a nurse. She'll just be wearing tennis shoes. She'll be fine there. But I go, what? Why? Why the word beloved? Here's what she told me. She goes, Dad, that's just going to remind me that Christ loves me no matter what. What could I say? Except, is it a safe place? You know I'm not paying for it. She goes, I know. I've got the money. I go, be careful and let it go. So I've got a daughter that comes home. She walks around barefooted, puts her foot up on the Coffee table to let me know that she's got a tattoo on her foot. And, and you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay. So when my example is we get upset and tense as stuff, sometimes even selfishly, how's it going to look to us as parents? But when the kid's heart's right. I want her to know that Christ loves her. Dad's going to mess up. Dad loves her. But if she just, all she does is focus on her dad, he's going to make mistakes. The one that's not going to make any mistakes is Jesus Christ. And if she's looking at her foot and knows that and understands that and believes that, I'm good. I'm good. She can throw clothes all over her room. I'm good if that's where her heart is. Okay. Now, here are things not to do. Yell at your children for yelling. Okay? This is straight out of the book. This is scientific research. Don't yell at your kids for yelling. And how many times do we as parents do that? Explode in anger at your children even when they throw themselves on the floor in anger. They're doing just like you. You're just not down on the floor. Okay? Say you're the worst child in the world in response to being told you're the worst parent in the world. You know, just because they tell us that doesn't me respond to get back, to, back at them. Lie to them about the consequences that they'll receive for lying. If we set consequences, we need to follow through with them. Yes, ma'am. Five minutes for you. Total? I didn't get to your part. All right. Sorry. Exasperate them to the point that they... uh, Lost heart, even though you feel exasperated and seem to be losing heart. Feel sorry for yourself in the face of their pouting and feeling sorry for themselves. Be unreasonable in the face of their unreasonableness. Match their foolish words and actions by your own lack of wisdom and patience. Therefore all the scripture that goes into uh, what he is talking about. Now, Lisa was going to add to three or four slides in her own way, in her own creative, artsy way, but she's going to do it next week. I'm going to be out of town in Houston next week, so you've got her. All next week. You can hear from another side of this parenting. Uh, 
one thing I want to close with is we have a marriage study that starts back up in two weeks, May 11th. A marriage study that we felt led to do thinking there would be two to three couples and ended up being a large number. The feedback and response that we've received from uh, that marriage study have been overwhelming in the lives and the marriages that have been changed by it. Roger and Alyssa Masters was a part of this marriage study, and I asked if they would come and share this morning, and they said to be glad to. Would, matter of fact, his words were, I'd love to. So at this time, just encouragement to y'all, Roger and Alyssa are going to come up and share about their experience with the marriage study.